Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, this is episode 16. Did you ever in your life think you were going to have 16 episodes of a podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation? I didn't. Um, this does prove that we can get something done. Uh, our friend John Roderick in his ad read said that we were going to drop this at episode 15. I know these two guys. They're going to do this for 15 episodes and then they're going to stop because neither one of them has ever finished a film. And I feel like mm. this is great that we're really sticking it to him uh, by, by blowing past that number in, in such a big way. My only goal for this show is to find a way to stick it to John Roderick. Of course, <laughs> friend friend of the show, John Roderick, uh, musician. Uh, he's uh, he's also got a couple of great podcasts out there that yeah. are far better than this one. Uh, sure. He took the time out of his busy two hour podcast where he opened up a bunch of presents that uh, <laughs> that, lis- that listener sent him. Seriously, that's how he spent a two-hour episode. Uh, he was opening up fan mail and and gifts. What this is going to do is it's going to drag down podcasts everywhere. Yeah. To be fair, he spent about twenty minutes talking about the documentary that you're making about him. Sure. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, I I believe the context for that was how uh, it was a failure because I have not delivered on on the promise of that. <laughs> Uh, Whose fault is that? A, he hasn't done anything interesting enough to make a, an end to the pro, to I'm, the film. I'm not going to put that on him. I think we've talked <laughs> about this many times. <laughs> my my failure to complete is a major issue, and that's one of the reasons why we even put together the show was to sort of prove to ourselves that we could come up with a project and actually see it through. And unfortunately, yeah. it's the most shameful variety we could have ever come up with. Well, Ars Technica has now covered the show covered it with a blanket <laughs> yeah so anyway uh if you're interested in hearing uh basically a 15 minute roast of me and ben and this podcast uh be sure to find the podcast Roadwork uh with dan benjamin and john roderick episode 20 uh so it's about halfway through it's pretty scathing and fun uh our thanks to roderick and Roadwork for giving us that shout out pretty cool yeah, it was, it was, uh, I played it for my wife, and she she thought it was really funny. And uh, and uh, as uh, as I've said many times before, she is really rethinking this whole marriage thing since I started this Star Trek podcast. So I got about ten seconds into playing it for my wife before she just left the room. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I like I think I like how your marriage is going better than mine at this point. Well, you. You guys have been married a little bit longer than we have, so uh, I just think that Rachel is less close to the end of her rope than she probably will be in the next 18 months or so. Yeah, really give it a little bit more time for her to get a hate on. Like, does she not care when she opens up iTunes and she sees that awesome logo on the front page? How could she not be thrilled by that? She is exquisitely embarrassed by that. Does this show qualify as an irreconcilable difference? Does this show qualify as something that you could bring in court in a divorce proceeding? Those poor jurors. 
<laughs> like the the dep- there isn't a deposition. It's just all sixteen episodes of our show. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Exhibit E, generally human. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, do we have to keep listening to these fucking dick jokes? <laughs> Objection. Cruel and unusual. Oh, jeez. Uh, I think with that, we should probably dive right into season one, episode 16, When the Bow Breaks. You want to take us through, Ben? Yeah. Gah. 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 Dot biz. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. We start this episode finding out that in the future, seven-year-old boys are uh, are still not big fans of calculus. I guess the opening, the like cold open of this episode is a a kid running through the hallway of the Enterprise, which is always, there's always tons of people walking around these hallways. Uh, I feel like mostly people are going from place to place on this ship and not actually sitting in one place doing their fucking job. Uh, (laughs) But uh, the kid plows into Riker as as he's running and... uh, and uh, this is kind of our our introduction to our, our re re reintroduction to the idea that the Enterprise is a ship with families living on it. Uh, but we don't spend too much time with this episode because Riker gets called up to the bridge, and uh, uh, Picard has kind of a wry look on his face, and he uh, calls Riker over and says, "You're going to love this. We're following a trail of." Uh, breadcrumbs, a, a, I guess, I don't, I don't know, a technological trail of breadcrumbs that ends here. And this is the Epsilon Mino system where the legendary planet of Aldea is located. Uh, and Aldea is a planet that is legendary because uh, nobody's ever seen it in in real life. It's, uh, it's reputed to exist, but uh, is unfindable. And uh, no, no sooner have they established this this mystery and legend than the planet decloaks immediately in front of the Enterprise. Yeah, they almost ran into it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a disaster. That would have sucked. Which, which sort of, you know, like I don't know, I don't know from cloaking technology, but you would think that they would be able to detect the gravity well that a planet would. Uh, would create yeah you're only cloaking the image you're not you're not cloaking its its mass gotta uh, avoid bumping into stuff and yeah this episode almost ended really early <laughs> yeah. yeah the the just untimely and unexplainable destruction of the flagship of the, of the federation <laughs> and then they just end the series well everybody died I think if you're a studio executive, you you sort of put a pin in that part of the script right. of all the scripts that you've read. Like, well, you know, if if it's really bad after this many episodes, <laughs> we can just end it here yeah. by crashing the ship into a planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh, nobody will miss this cast at this point. So fuck them. 
Let him burn. And so Patrick Stewart gets to check out of his hotel room <laughs> with the quickness, his unpacked luggage. Uh, <laughs> still still intact, yeah. Still ready to go, yeah. yeah. He, all he has to do, do is dispute that porno bill on the, uh, on the in-room <laughs> television, and, <laughs> and he's out of there. Uh, so, so Troy gets a whiff off of their first communications with this planet that shit ain't right. Yeah. They're doing more and more with Troy, um, but uh, they uh, they talk to this uh, this hot lady who's uh, representing the Aldeans and confirms that this is in fact Aldea and that they have a, a trade that they want to propose. So uh, I think they beam up to the ship first, right? They like beam right through their right through their shield, which demonstrates that the Aldeans are are rocking some technology that is uh, a little bit outside of what the enterprise is capable of repelling. Yeah, they they do that thing that where uh, they're too excited for their meeting. Yeah. It's like uh like <laughs> like they they agree to meet at some unspecified time and they're like, "Great. Okay." And then bang, they're there on the bridge, sort of like uh Yeah, it's like getting a girl's phone number and calling her later that day. It's like, "Guys, that's exactly it." Yeah. Play it cool a little bit. Yeah, they do not play this cool at all. Yeah, and uh, and they come up with a big bouquet of flowers. Yeah, and a... they have a horn of plenty. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen like an actual physical horn of plenty. I've only seen them in illustrations. But the Aldeans have them all over the place. It's like one of the main set dressings. <laughs> it was, yeah. As as we'll come to find out, they they blew all their budget on that horn of plenty. Other thing that's weird about them beaming up is they look really surprised when they. When they arrive, like they they beam up and they they like are they like you know touch themselves to make sure all of their parts made it. Like, oh really? I didn't get that. Yeah, it was a, it was just a like it, you know it was a like, two second little moment. But they don't seem to be used to beaming. I guess maybe they don't you know since they're not traveling around, they don't they don't do it that often. No, but that's how they get around their planet. They beam everywhere. Yeah. What the hell? I don't know, man. I think you're projecting. I I didn't get that sense at all. I think they got under the ship and they were they were sort of repulsed by the bright light. Yeah. So that's the other thing is that everybody is ridiculously pale on this uh, on this planet. I think it's Doctor Crusher, Dana Troy, and Riker get sort of summarily beamed down. Like the Enterprise doesn't get to pick their away team on this one because the Aldeans are calling the shots. So Picard is sort of left somewhat alone on the bridge as everyone leaves he's like huh interesting choice of uh, of people and then and then we cut back down to the planet surface <laughs> so they explain that uh they've been unable to bear children for many years and they have taken the strange step of revealing themselves to the enterprise in the hopes that they could trade some technology for the kids that live on the enterprise so that the aldeans can uh can kickstart their uh reproductive biology yeah, it's, it's your classic children for information exchange story. We need some of your children. In payment, we will give you information that would take you centuries to acquire. Yeah, better than arms for hostages. Yeah, yeah. Eh, maybe not, actually. <laughs> maybe way worse. Riker is uh, pretty firm and, uh, and shuts down this idea of exchanging the kids for anything period <laughs> the kids are not available at any price right i mean 
you get the sense that there's probably a price, but <laughs> <laughs> but Riker isn't willing to disclose that at that point. Coming from a moneyless society, these people can't be that great at negotiation, right? Right, right. It's not like they're Armenians. <laughs> you know what? You just turned off a huge swath of our listenership by making fun of the Armenians, Ben. How dare you? I apologize. So uh, Radu has been has been rebuked by Riker. His offer has been sort of turned down. And so... Uh, Radu so- is not a rad dude. <laughs> oh, God. You've, you're really giving me a lot to edit out of this. <laughs> Radu, you might recognize as uh, as Deep Throat from the X-Files. Did he look familiar to you? That's Jerry Harden. Yeah, that's a real actor there. Yeah, he, they actually got a real guy to play him. Yeah. Good job, casting agents. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, Riker says no way to this whole exchange, and uh, and Radu's like, fine, I'll, I'll snatch up those kids ourselves. And so you see a scene on board the Enterprise where this yellow spotlight is sort of panning around to all the kids... A bunch of the kids on the ship are getting hit with the spotlight beam. Yeah, it's definitely related technology to the stuff that the Haradan used to scan the uh, holodeck a couple episodes and screw up the uh, hard-boiled detective novel that Picard was doing. Right, exactly. They're they're clearly uh, cut from the same light cloth. Mm-hmm. So they're they're zooming this light around and they're and they're scanning a bunch of the kids and then bang, they they grab like eight of them. And uh, and Wesley's one of them. The boy. So they all disappear from the Enterprise. Did you notice when uh, when they when they disappeared, Wesley? They cut away from the Doctor, and there's a shot of Picard looking shocked, and they just looped in a little bit of audio of Gates McFadden going, "They've taken my son." Yes, I did because uh, <laughs> one of the primary rules of season one Star Trek: The Next Generation is. Any references to Wesley must include either the boy or they've taken my son from Beverly. Yeah. So yeah, so we got we got one of those there, thus checking that box. I feel like they just should have cast a kid with red hair, so there would be no question. Right? Yeah, they could have, or just or just redded up uh, Will Wheaton's hair. Again, this goes back to the casting decision of Will Wheaton. You you've taken who is demonstrably you know, a pretty fine child actor and completely ruined him on this show. <laughs> Despoiled him. Again, I don't think this is his fault. This is, yeah. uh, this is his handlers. This, is, this does not rest on his shoulders. So uh, the kids are all, are all beamed down and, uh, and were made pretty quickly to understand that they decided upon these children. They decided they were the best and the brightest of the Enterprise kids. And uh, in one bit of creepy subtext, they're all white. Yeah. <laughs> they, they scan a bunch of different races and, and ethnicities of children on this ship, but uh, no keepers among them. Yeah. It's not necessarily overt racism this time. Oh, it's overt. Let's be honest. <laughs> they would they would rather have a a chubby white girl as as the one playing the music than yeah. uh, than any other race doing so. Right. I guess yeah, the Aldeans look human. That's which is, you know, not a choice that they always make. <laughs> I I guess that's a more more typical first season choice than cuz I mean like they're still working on the on the on the original series uh, logic of like 
Somebody like the Klingons in the original series just have like weird beards, you know. They don't have any head meat loaf. No. So I guess that's maybe maybe what what's to to blame for that, but it would it would be weird if they were like really creepy looking aliens and they're like, "We want your children." Yeah, but go figure. Uh, it's a planet full of white people who want to repopulate the planet uh, in their own image. So yeah, great. Keep their Aryan master race going. Sure. So uh, and then and and we come to understand that as as they're kind of touring these kids around, they they sort of like dole out the kids to the various families that are going to be looking after them. Uh, the the chubby blonde girl who's going to be a musician is given to Grandpa Munster. Uh, <laughs> the kid from the beginning of the series who hates calculus is given to, uh, I don't know, some members of Up With People. Yeah, and they look so much alike. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a man and a woman who are in basically the same costume and basically have the same haircut. Uh, <laughs> they're going to teach him how to be a sculptor uh, and... Wesley goes with a an older lady with weird dyed hair. Go figure and, uh, that uh, Wes would be attached to an older person. It's <laughs> uh, probably where he's most comfortable. Yeah. It is a crazy principle with dark beating face. Now you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. 
Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Speaking of where Wes is most comfortable, she uh, takes him down to the computer core and introduces him to the custodian. What does the custodian do? It frees us from all burden. It takes care of all our needs. They, they're living in a real, like, uh, Brave New World type of type of society where it's it's totally utopian and there's just unanswered questions that they they've never even thought to to ask it's at this point in the episode where they start really peanut buttering over uh the metaphor of you know environment and tech technological hubris right uh and and when you're talking about matters like that i think it's important to include as many child actors as possible <laughs> to tell that story yeah Ben, you've worked with child actors before, right? Uh, I worked with a child rapper one time. It was very uncomfortable. Did you talk to him the way that Wesley talks to the children uh, down on the planet? And by that, I mean, uh, you know, there's a voice that people have when they talk to kids sometimes that's very yeah. high and sing-songy. So, it's a voice that you would feel very condescended to if somebody used on you. Right. That is a voice that just sort of permeates the entire episode in a way that uh, is just so grating. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's hard to write dialogue for children that is plausible because kids have a very, you know, like they have a very different way of communicating from adults. What? You, no, I'm serious. It's true. Look, man, I don't know where you read that. <laughs> uh, so anyways... Uh, the crew of the Enterprise are uh, understandably pretty ripshit about this whole hijacking of their children. They're, you know, Picard holds a conference uh, in the uh, observation lounge with all the parents who have been wronged, and the, you know, Harry, the the kid who hates calculus, his father is especially upset because the last time he saw Harry, he was yelling at him for bumping into Commander Riker, and skipping out on his calculus class. The youngest girl uh, who will come to know as Alexandra, her mom is there and maybe the most 80s character we have ever seen on the show. Oh, yeah. She has she has a lot of perm going on, doesn't she? Uh, her, 
I feel like this is as much of a hairstyle show as it is a Star Trek show sometimes. <laughs> but hey, we have our obsessions. Her hair cannot be contained in the four by three frame of the television. It is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty fucking rock and roll. <laughs> so, but anyways, Picard promises to do everything he possibly can to upset the Aldeans' devious plot. Um, and so the Aldeans have been saying the whole time, like, this is, we want this to be an exchange. And even after they unilaterally abduct the children, they, uh, they keep saying like, we're going to give you all this information. So it's a fair trade. And so to, in, in order to basically buy time while, uh, you know, Data and Geordi work on ways to defeat their, the planetary shielding and beam the kids up, uh, Picard agrees to, uh, negotiate with them and um so they beam down and one of the one of the conditions that he stipulates before they even discuss things is that dr crusher has to go uh see her son and they allow it and she beams over to the apartment where wesley is living and surreptitiously hands him the scanning module from a tricorder and he very not slickly accepts it. He's he like actually comments vocally on the fact that she is trying to like palm this thing off to him, and he goes like, "Oh, what? Oh, oh!" And then goes and like walks around the woman that is going to be his his adoptive mother if this plan goes through, and behind her head like waves the scanning module around while Doctor Crusher keeps the open tricorder in the pocket of her lab coat. Like if Dr. Crusher and you were going out to dinner at a nice restaurant and you showed up and, <laughs> and there were no tables available and she was trying to grease the maitre d', like yeah. that would be an utter failure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was completely incapable of doing that handoff, but the old lady uh, just didn't notice at all. She, she was a little batty. <laughs> So you blame that on Dr. Crusher because I, I really thought that it was Wesley that was that was blowing the uh, blowing their cover. I mean, now that now that I think about it, clearly you need you need both palms greased to constitute a successful greasing. Yeah. Well, maybe if if Wesley gets back to the ship, they'll they'll have to practice some surreptitious spycraft techniques uh, together. I mean, you know. we know Wesley's got experience with greased up palms. <laughs> I just don't think that uh, that in this context, he's very experienced. I was looking at our iTunes reviews the other day, and somebody gave us a four-star review and was like, it's a pretty good show, and they're pretty funny, but they seem to think that Picard is raping Wesley all the time. <laughs> is that why we got dinged a star? Yeah. How is that a good reason for dinging us a star? I mean, we basically do everything except put that in our show art. Like, like this is a show about Picard raping Wesley. <laughs> wow. I don't know. I, I, I thought, like, like I was a little miffed at, at, miss, at losing the star, but I thought that that was a funny enough reason that I, I let it pass. I don't understand what what the stars mean. Like, are you, if you were to rate a podcast, do you give stars based on how much you liked it or its quality? Because it seems like we're getting dinged stars because uh, people don't like the content. But we right. say what we are. Yeah. We, are we are a filthy comedy podcast about Star Trek Next Generation. 
And people don't like that. We're not as filthy as we could be, too. I think we're holding back. Well, we have so many more episodes to do. I can only imagine <laughs> that that's where we're going. We're, we're soon to be the two live crew of Star Trek podcasts. My love is a Negotiations have broken down, and uh, Picard does not want to agree to accepting any of this in, any of this fancy data the Aldeans are offering, without uh, you know, without any concessions on their part. Do you think so, it's a mistake that they don't even know what the data is that they that they'd be getting back in exchange? What if it's amazing? Yeah, I mean, and 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 you know, there have you have to estimate there are billions of people living in the Federation. What if this is information that could improve life on the on the scale of billions? I feel like in any prisoner exchange, you should at least look at the goods, right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean the the thing is, it's it's the way they describe the information does sound really lame. It's like we have information on parts of the galaxy you don't even know exist. It's like. Yeah, we fucking want to explore. That's our whole fucking thing. Like, if we fuck, if we just knew about it all, it's all of a sudden we'd be out of a job. I think that's another pin that the producer put in. Like, you know, maybe we can end the show by them actually agreeing to this deal. They learn everything they need to know, and then the Enterprise just goes back home. Yep. The end. Five year mission over. I mean, how do they get all this information? Did they just cloak the planet and drive it around? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they had like a a more adventurous era in their past or something. Anyways, they get Picard gets back to the ship and, uh, you know, n- no progress has been made. And the Aldeans say like, listen, man, we mean business. <laughs> so you can either agree to this or you can fuck right off. And they shoot an energy weapon out from the planet kind of like orbits around the planet and hits the enterprise and the enterprise goes a spinning off into into the wild black yonder and uh when they come to a stop Jordy announces that they are a three-day trip from aldea at maximum warp and uh when they picard is like get us back there as fast as possible and warp has never felt slower <laughs> like they they go to warp and it's just like oh man this is gonna be a long slog to get back. Yeah, and Radu gets on the screen and he's like, do not even think of fucking with us again. If you don't accept our terms, the Enterprise will be pushed so far away that by the time you return, your children will be grandparents. Yeah, it seems pretty threatening, but uh, but Picard uh, directs the ship to return to Aldea. And, yeah. uh, and so during the trip, Dr. Crusher has time to review the scans that Wesley took uh, over his old lady. And right. So they have these two things to contend with. One is maybe we can just fix the Aldeans and enable them to conceive so that they don't want, they don't have any reason to steal our kids. Or maybe we can figure out a way to get through that shielding and take them back ourselves. And so they're kind of in parallel working on these two problems in the three days that they have to get back. Right. And I think I think we know how motivated Picard is to get Wesley back at this mm, point. Yeah. Yes. I mean, think about think about having to having to drop everything for three days. <laughs> he is just really pent up by the time he gets back <laughs> to the planet. Like <laughs> Yeah. Really edgy. He's really short with people, just you know. <laughs> yeah. 
there's some fun in games when uh, we see the kind of different stuff the kids are up to. You know, the little Alexandra right. girl plays a strange video game. Uh, the the girl that goes with Grandpa Munster learns how to use a strange instrument that just uh, plays notes that you're thinking of in your mind. And he <laughs> an, an instrument that can only be played while sitting on an old man's lap? Yeah. That is like basically the creepiest, like of all of the kind of implied violation of children that this series has done so far, this is by far the most explicitly creepy scene. Uh, but yeah, it's real troubling. But it's, not, it's especially troubling because she plays a song and the guy's like, do you know anything uh, happier? And she's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> this is actually how I feel, old man. <laughs> But uh, no, no scene was funnier to me than uh, the scene with Harry, the kid that loves calculus, uh, finishing his his carving because he is literally polishing his dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> the man comes, goes to his wife like, "Hey, come see what Harry's doing." <laughs> God, you do not want your parents walking in on you while you're polishing a dolphin. That's for sure. <laughs> And and as as this uh, is happening, the crew has found a a flaw in the shielding that the planet has that is exploitable enough that Riker and Data can beam down to the planet, and they beam down into uh, the computer core where the custodian is located. So that is uh, that's that's Picard's ace in the hole as the negotiations renew. Damok Angelad. Wesley has sort of organized the kids around a around a table and he's like, Look, kiddos, I've got a plan. And that plan is passive resistance. Which yeah. up until now is a plan that I feel like Wesley could have deployed for his own safety on board right. the ship. Sure, sure. This seems to be a new thought for him. So he tells all the kids, uh, whenever whenever these nice old people offer you anything, just turn it down. Just turn it down and don't play ball. Yeah, don't don't do anything that they ask you to do. Just like like we're not gonna we're gonna not gonna do anything violent, but we're not gonna make things nice for them. So data puts together that uh, the reason that the Aldians are all sick is because uh, their their funky cloaking shield has has weakened the ozone layer of their planet. Ben, you remember the ozone layer, right? It's all anyone talked about in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, I, t- it, I did sort of wonder in this episode what whatever happened to the ozone layer as a... I think we fixed it, right? That's oh, why yeah, no, one, no one knows about it anymore. Everything's going great down there. Yeah. Uh, now, this this episode does like tiptoe up to getting really preachy about the environment, and it doesn't really get crazy preachy. It just... I, I think it, it sort of implies that uh, that technological hubris is is a, a negative trait. But well, you can only take it so seriously when a bunch of kids with Nerf bats are are beating the message into the ground. <laughs> yeah. And so when when an away team beams down, the first thing Radu says is like, "Look, what is up with these kids? You got to fix them. Yeah, they're being real jerks right now. Yeah, we don't know how to we don't know how to raise kids. What's your problem?" Yeah, I think Radu actually tells Picard, like, look, I'm not good with kids. You got to do something about this. And Picard kind of smirks like, uh, me either. Yeah. The the Aldeans uh, are basically shit out of luck whenever they try to use their technology against Picard after this point because 
Riker and Data have defeated the computer, and um, and so Picard has a, an opportunity to kind of argue with Radu over uh, what what the real solution to the problems that Aldea faces are, and it's it's turn off your stupid cloak and fix your radiation sickness and get real, like stop being stop being infantilized by this supercomputer that runs everything in your society. Yeah, yeah, give us our kids back, jerks. Yeah, and and uh, to his credit, Radu, after pretty minor intellectual resistance, uh, recognizes that he's been quite wrong in this matter, and uh, they return the children to the Enterprise, and uh, to Picard's credit, he offers to to help the Eldians fix their shit, and uh, and the Eldians accept. Yeah, Picard's like, uh, keep that weird shield off and commence with a fucking. Yeah, I feel like they come to, they come very close to having this final interaction with Radu be a pretty interesting examination of a. You know, somebody who's set in their ways, kind of determining policy and having that be sort of insufficient, is insufficiently good policy for the the problems at hand. You know, like this is how we've always done it. We can't change this uh, kind of kind of character. And and it was it was like almost a pretty interesting argument. But I think that they just didn't have enough time in the episode to 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 dig into that and i thought that was kind of a shame i mean it's like it at at many turns this episode is almost interesting i kept being distracted about the idea of like in episode three it was super okay for uh for tasha yar to get kidnapped by that planet's people and they were i mean they were really a lot better about that than when their (laughs) kids got stolen was it was it just because they were the kids that all hell broke loose yeah, I mean they they also like went to greater lengths to sort of understand where the planet in Code of Honor was coming from in stealing Tashiar, whereas the Aldeans like they don't they don't really sympathize with that much. Yeah, interesting how how these are similar situations treated so differently. Hmm. Hmm. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. This episode was directed by a man named Kim Manners. Is that name familiar to you? Uh, that sounds familiar to me. Well, Kim Manners is a significant figure because he directed, produced and directed a shitload of 80s and 90s television, um, including The X-Files. Uh. He only directed one episode of, of Next Generation, and this was it. But um, he was really like a beloved figure in the Hollywood production community. And when he died, it was... It was like a real shock to a bunch of people. Um, wow. So much so that that, that X-Files reboot. Have yeah. you seen any of those episodes? I have not watched it yet. Well, there's a there's a scene in one of the episodes, this isn't a spoiler, where uh, where Mulder gets drunk in front of a, the tombstone of, of what we are believed to know as like just some random tombstone. Like the, the, the tombstone doesn't have any significance to us in the show. Uh-huh. Uh, but the name on it is Kim Manners. And Weird. it's... Uh, and it's like his birth date and his death date, and it was sort of done as a tribute to him because he he directed like a quarter of the episodes of the X Files. So Kim Manners, he's he's he will be missed, not least of uh, which is the fact that he threw 
more gas than ever on the fire of suspicion over what Picard is up to with regards to Wesley. <laughs> He's doing all he can. <laughs> I feel like uh, <clears throat> like some some episodes are enabling the behavior. Mm. Some are like a call for help. Yeah. Uh, this this episode is represents one of those calls for help. Absolutely. Hey Ben. What's that, Adam? You have a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I should remind people that uh, drunk Shimoda is our award that we uh, have have named after Jim Shimoda, the assistant chief engineer in episode two, who gets drunk and uh, takes all the isolinear chips out of the warp core. Uh, it's just uh, it's an honor for any character who is having a great time or just generally acting drunk or ridiculous. My drunk Shimoda for this episode is Radu, just because his plan sucks so much ass. Like, <laughs> I cannot imagine being the head of an entire society that has a crazy existential problem like this and being so committed to your planet being a secret that that stealing eight children from a huge you know conglomeration of of species like the federation is really a worthwhile gambit like it's some fucking ignorant ass shit like they know everything about the enterprise when they get there like they've been monitoring their communications they know everything they know what did they think was going to happen yeah this is, like this dude is supposed to be in charge of their whole society. He's a fucking idiot. I feel like one of the biggest dangers of space travel is getting your shit stolen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they turned they turned from being the most cultured planet into just base space pirates. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens. How about you? Um, occasionally, we will bestow this honor on someone who is not a character of the show. I've I've called you a drunk Shimoda before. Um, I think for this episode, I'm going to give the drunk Shimoda to composer Ron Jones. (laughs) Um, One thing we didn't bring up when we were doing the episode summary is that this entire episode has a soundtrack of like a treacly ice cream truck. (laughs) And it is, it's really bad. Like I get what they were going for. You know, you have your, you have your musical prompt for whenever kids are on screen, but it is... It really beats you over the head, and it is treacly and harpy and synthy, and uh, it's it's really grating. So, I mean, Ron Jones has gone on to do masterful work uh, throughout the series. The guy's a total pro, and he, you know, in many episodes makes the show better. This is not one of them. So. Yeah, and in an episode where one of the challenges is write a melody for a child who's supposed to be a budding musical prodigy, Uh, you know, that little, like, that little harp riff that her strange, her strange uh, computer instrument makes, uh, not not wildly impressive. It's so sappy. It's like, is it possible to play music through actual sap? Like physical (laughs) sap? Is there a sap filter? (laughs) I'll have to check in Adobe Audition. Yeah, it's it's like that. It is just real drippy. So, uh, sorry, Ron. Love you ordinarily, but not this time. Sorry, bro. <laughs> what do we got coming up next? I am locute as a board. You will respond to my questions. I am locute as a board. You are bored. Our next episode is called Home Soil, 
a powerful microscopic life form declares war on humans and takes over the Enterprise's lab and computers and threatens to destroy the ship. What do you remember about this episode, Adam? Uh, I don't remember anything about this episode. Not a single thing. What I remember is that it's like a, a terraforming lab, and there's it's sort of like a like a, a whodunit. Like there's a murder at the lab, and they can't figure out who did it, and then... Uh, you know, spoiler alert, they trace it back to this this entity that's been living on the planet. Uh, one of the reviewers said that the director of this episode had a bizarre insistence on unnatural stagey blocking and an obsession with extreme close-ups. Uh, that should be fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to that from a production perspective. I guess we'll check it out on the next episode of The Greatest Generation. Yeah, if you want to talk to us, uh, you can find us on Twitter. Always. We're on Twitter too much these days. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm at Cut for Time, and Ben is at Benjamin R. A-H-R. Yeah, and you can use the hashtag GreatestGen to uh, see what other people have said about this show and their grandfathers. Thanks always to Dark Materia for our awesome soundtrack. Yeah. What a, uh, what a generous person to let us use that, even after we went ahead and used it and then asked for permission after the fact. People have asked us where they can get it, and, and seriously, the answer to that is everywhere. There's yeah. about 100 sites that host that song. Yeah, so, if you just uh, search the Picard song. All right. Uh, we'll uh, see you next week with another exciting episode and uh, two shameful guys taking you through it. I've been Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Later. He's a Borg. <laughs> <laughs>